Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. There we are. We're uh, we're live and back with another edition of the Claret and Blue podcast. I'm Jan Drifton, joined again by uh, John Townley and uh, Pat Rowe, PGR underscore analytics. So I've said those right. I didn't even say my own last name right. But how are you doing, Jan? <laughs> I'm I'm good, James. I'm good. So we're on the high of the weekend. It's fantastic win. The uh, under 23s put a bit of a damper on it last night after blowing a three-one lead to Blues. But you know, what can you do? Well, I think, you know what, let's get into that first. We don't actually speak uh, about the under-23s a lot on the podcast. We're only here until about half 12. So um, we've already spoke about um, the Leicester City match on the podcast. We're like, going to have a deeper dive about that. But Pat, I wanted to know about the uh, the under-23s. It was a yeah, tough game last night, but the, it's a bit of a uh, a barren under-23s team, isn't it? Because you've got a few of them actually called up. Jacob Ramsey's not playing for them anymore, senior member of the team. You've had a few injuries. And of course, Connie Chukwameka now involved with the, the first team at Aston Villa. So what happened last night against the Blues? Yeah, it was, it was a depleted squad, I think. No Aaron Ramsey, no Cameron Archer, no no, no Carney. I think Caleb and Davis were up top. Thorndike was involved. Robenham was, I don't know how to say his name. I'm, I've probably butchered that there. But he was involved, even though he was on the bench for uh, Gerard. And you can see why he's on the bench for Gerard, to be honest. He dictates the plays. Strong in midfield. Reads the game really well. He's good on the ball. But yeah. Frantic start. I think Blues got the better of the first 10 minutes. Then Trezeguet came into it. Trezeguet's return, forgot to mention that. He looked really bright, you know, driving at the defence, quick passes, one-touch play. Slotted away his penalty pretty uh, emphatically as well. Davis was bullying the opposition the whole time. Uh, Caleb Chukameka was a big part of that as well. I feel like they played well together up top. But when he went off and Trezeguet went off in the second half, all the momentum went with it and we just collapsed. <laughs> happens, doesn't it? It happens in football, even more so in our under-23s football. I feel like since I've been watching it, it can be very up and down. And Villa have got an excellent academy, much has been made of that. But I think even in the past years when you had your, you know, your Rashawn Hepburn Murphys and your Callum O'Hares mm-hmm. and a lot was made of that. John, what have you made of the under-23s this year? Yeah, it's interesting. I think as, as Pat says, you know, especially if you go back to last year too, I think you've got the likes of Kane Kessler and Louis Barry. We forget that we've got four or five, six players out on loan that won the FA Youth Cup. So you look at the the kind of bulk squad that we have now with the 23s, you know, some really good talent in there. And obviously, as you say, some of them are in now in the first team, but a lot of them are out on loan too, which is really exciting. So there's a it's pretty crazy how the academy has, you know, almost taken shape in the last few years. But those players have been at the club since, you know, years before then too. So it's it's really, it's almost like a really good blend that we're now investing loads in the academy. Plus you've got existing players there that were already there, you know, coming through now, and, you know, getting experience in the uh, lower leagues um, and getting, you know, men's football, should we say. Um, so now, yeah, really exciting. It's, it's interesting to see how those players as well come back to Bodymore Heath. And when Gerard gets to look at the likes of Kessler and, say, Louis Barry, Brad Young, 
different lads, um, all different capabilities as well. So, no, yeah, uh, really exciting. Quite ironic how the uh, success in terms of league results of the academy has been harmed by how well it's doing and how they've <laughs> these stars have went on to play for, uh, you know, Louis Barriers on loan. You've got your Finnazaz who, who joined, who's on loan. number of others, Kane Kessel-Hayden, as you said. And then, of course, Carney, Jacob Ramsey and others kicking on into that first team. So, you know, the, the, the fruits are there for us all to see. Um, but, Pat, let's get on to uh, Villa versus Leicester. There's a lot to talk about in this match. Um, I think first things first, let's go over some Castro Michael. I think we haven't kind of got enough of uh, the Cashbush Michael instant. Myself uh. and John were at the game, but you had the advantage of actually seeing the pictures, uh, the the kind of reaction as it unfolded um, on match day. Uh, foul or not a foul? I think it's still that the rules are still very unclear. Um, the rules are long. Yeah. I think a lot of us made of the punctuation of the rules on a match of the day too. Um, but yeah, uh, everyone in the stadium absolutely infuriated. Bar the Leicester fans and Cashbush Michael and Leicester City, Brendan yeah. Rogers and all his stuff. Everyone was infuriated, mate. Yeah, it was one of those, like the first goal, it's one of the, the first one I, I just didn't celebrate as much because I thought there's not a chance that like Conza's not offside there or whatever. And then the commentators were diving deep into it, but there was a player playing them on clearly. And then that second goal went in with Ramsey and I was I literally lost my head like in my living room. I was like, oh, that's a goal. There's no chance they're going to disallow that. Surely not. Saw the replays and they were talking about it and I was still baffled as to how they can re- replay it that much. Then they go to the screen, don't they? And he looks at it, and I don't see how he comes to that conclusion. Then, obviously, Casper Schmeichel gives his interview about his thumb that got hurt, but there was no impact on his thumb whatsoever. <laughs> there was clear distance. I think the rule was that if the keeper makes the save and then has control of the ball, that like in that manner, it doesn't account in the same way as having control of the ball. But I'm not sure. It's very technical, and there's like different rules flying around. Ultimately, it didn't cost us. But if that had cost us, I would have been fuming. It would have been up there with a. Uh, the Kevin Friend incident at Crystal Palace, I think. <laughs> John, we can't get much into the uh, actual chant, but um, I think the best thing that could have happened in that match in terms of the outcome and the far in Villa's bellies was the disallowed goal because there, there was an atmosphere there, wasn't there? <laughs> yeah, no, I think you're probably right. I think that obviously the crowd got behind him as soon as that goal was disallowed. And I think it was mainly because everyone was, you know, completely, um, you know, said dumbfounded about why it wasn't a goal at Villa Park. The connection isn't too good. So you can't really just flick on your 4G and search the Premier League rules. Um, so not many people knew uh, why it was disallowed. And it was so obvious that you only had one hand on it. But as, as Pat says, those are the rules. Um, whether you like them or not, the, you know, I, I struggle to believe why he'd have control of it if his hand's just on the ball. Um, it's not really controlling, is it? But hey, oh, there, there you go. And no, I think you're right. I think the Villa Park crowd got behind him. As soon as that goal was disallowed, especially because it was Ram, maybe not especially because it was Ramsey, but like the raw emotion that came from that goal, it all sort of you know built up, and everyone was just really surprised when it wasn't given straight away, pretty much. Um, but to be fair, that was straight on half time, and I think the players, um, you know, you can feed off the crowd, but credit to the players that come out after half time, there could have been you know tails between the legs sort of thing, um, but no, they fed off the crowd really well. Um, and yeah, got a, another really important win. And we could have won by more goals and then couldn't we? Obviously, Conte gets his goal, but you got so many chances there for Watkins and Ramsey again um, in the second half. It probably it was a 4-1 game, wasn't it really? Not a 2-1. Yeah, we had the ball in the back of the net twice and it got pulled <laughs> back, didn't it? Uh, I think McGinn's <laughs> yeah. was a bit dodgy, but Watkins certainly had it. I think yeah. in these situations, it's almost like, you, you know, you, you have your authorities there to protect them. Leicester needed that uh, needed that protection completely because Villa, Villa were all over him. And I mean, the, the first half was pretty hit and miss, but that second half, they were just on fire. And uh, yeah. thankfully, there was a referee there to stop it getting out of control. If you're, if you're speaking from a Leicester City fan bias, because Villa, you know, running running absolute wild. And I think we've seen a big difference in how this team plays 
under Dean Smith to under, under Stephen Gerald, there's certainly probably an aspect of a new manager bounce, but it looks like they're pretty much on top of it. And, uh, you know, it's, we, we could have got more goals. And, you know, the XG, Pat, doesn't tell the full story mm. because of how, look at the two chances we had ruled out, the chances where there was a missed kick, the chances where I think Buendia was sliding in after creating the move where he didn't connect mm. at all. Those don't count. And the XG was already pretty impressive, Pat. But when you, you consider the amount of chances Villa made and didn't click or it was pulled back because of an incident, when John says four one, he's he's pretty much bang on, isn't it? In terms of the XG, uh, it did only it was only two XG, but in, in terms of Villa this season, that's actually a massive improvement. It's the first time this season we've got over one point five. So Gerard's already kind of made that improvement. You pr- you probably see in the uh, bit more of attacking play now. And I always thought it was going to be this game. To be honest, like you looked at the fixtures, like City, we did well. Like you're always going to have to grind out a result there, but. I thought that this game might be the one that we see that attacking style of football from Gerard's team, and I, I thought that was the case. To be honest, I think Ollie Watkins had his most shot-creating actions of the game as uh, the season as well, seven, which is a high. I think only McGinn might have made that many, but yeah, it was one. It felt like um, I don't know if you remember the Boxing Day, Chris, not the, was yeah. it Boxing Day against Palace. Yes, yes, Watkins was just destined not to score, even though he was like <laughs> one of the lively players on the pitch. It just felt like one of those games that like, just wasn't going to fall for him, but. It's promising that he's becoming that, like, doing everything you can ask of him and more, to be honest, for Gerard, He's really thriving. And you know, I feel like it might not have been his day against uh, Leicester, but on another day, he'll get two or three on a game like that. Yeah, I think, again, it goes to show you kind of the, the credential Aston Villa have because the whole conversation prior to Stephen Gerrard arriving was Villa couldn't win without this player. Now it's like Villa can only win. <laughs> Now we've had this play later. They have turned turned the corner. John, what is what is the main thing that you've seen under Gerard in these matches so far um, that has changed after Dean Smith's departure? In general, we're more compact, I think, defending. Um, there's more energy, I think, about this. There's more willing to win second balls, to get in behind defences, to carry out Gerard's game plan. I'm not, you know, I'm, we're not privy to what Gerard's telling them um, about body more Heath, but we're also not privy to how he's motivating the team as well, if that makes sense. Because um, yeah. to me, it just feels like we're more that is how Stephen Gerrard wants to play. It's obviously not to a final two at the moment. So none of those players are his, te- uh, technically speaking. Um, and we don't know exactly how he wants to play. But you can tell that what the players are doing on the pitch, they're almost mimicking exactly what Gerrard would be doing with them um, on the training pitches at Bodymore. And I think Gerrard said um, the, the thing that surprised him most is that the players have taken on everything that he's asked them to do so far. Um, and their application has been second to none. And I think it's... It was a difficult one when Smith left because you'd have thought at least some of the players would be um, disheartened. I think they probably were very disheartened. And then when a new manager comes in, there was always a bit of a risk that they would be... Um, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not too sure, but I don't know, maybe disheartened that Smith left and that the new manager bounce wouldn't potentially be there. But Gerard's just got him playing. Um, and obviously his coaching staff too is, you know, tactically speaking. Mm. Uh, Michael Bill is the one that's been setting the team up, I, I would presume, with the input of Gerard, of course. Um but just how quickly they've taken on Gerrard's, um, you know, demands. That's what's impressed me the most. Um, and yeah, we're more compact. We're more we're more lively in the middle of the pitch. We're moving the ball quicker. Um, and we've just got more tenacity about this. Is you know, I wouldn't have thought going into a game against Leicester City, even though they're in you know a bit of sticky uh, sticky form themselves. I wouldn't think they would be winning that game. But I think you know a lot of us were predicting that if if we can get a couple of goals, we'll win that game. So. Yeah, it's it's all positive. Um, three out of four wins so far, only losing to City, and we probably should have got at least a draw out of that game as well. So, you know, come, come the end of the season, I can see us being around that mid-table position and what more could you want considering, you know, how bad we were on, during that five-game run, only, you know, 
the start of last month. So I've, I've interrupted. You'll be delighted, everyone, to know I've interrupted my reading of Russian history to study up on um, <laughs> Steve and Gerard. <laughs> and um, one thing that stood out was I think some comments were made about Dean Smith and, you know, probably the art, too much of the arm around the shoulder. One thing that stood out about Steven Gerrard was this kind of anxiety that seems to drive him like he doesn't want to fail and let people down. And obviously there was a major incident in his career where he did let people down. It's become a bit of a meme. It's obviously the stuff that's chanted at him about the slip. But overall in his career, at these peak moments, it always seems to go back to the moment he didn't want to let anyone down. And there's that intensity about him kind of brought on by the anxiety, the need for success. And and, and that's backed by, you know, I don't want to let fans down. I don't want to let the people who employ me down. I don't want to let myself or my family down. I don't want to let any, anyone in the local area down. He's backed massively, massively by that. So I feel like, Pat, when they say about the standards improving Aston Villa, do you think that's backed by Gerard's personality? What you just said is completely outlined in how we've been playing recently. It's I don't know about you or you two what you think, but I feel like we keep starting quite slowly. Like especially against City, I thought we were really frantic. I thought we were unorganised, and I thought we were getting battered at times in the first half against Leicester. To be honest, I think Cash was uh, Harvey Barnes was causing problems. He grabbed his goal. I think we started quite slowly. We didn't really have control of the game until like the back end of the first half. And I think the way we come out of the second half and react in these games under Gerard just outlines what you said. Like he's gonna he to the to like the nth percentage or whatever. He just doesn't want to fail at all. Like he's not gonna let his side fail. He like has to. He analyzes the games. He sees the problems and he addresses them immediately. And he probably digs into the players while doing so. I think he said, was it the City game? He gave a few players some home truths and it probably rolled them up a bit. And there was a reaction at halftime. That's what you need. Especially, so if Villa can address this issue of coming out a bit slow in these games, not fall behind, like I know we came from behind there and that's big and it shows the mentality, but that's probably the next thing he wants to address is a slow start. Do you think Gerard's personality has stood out, um, John, then? against City, against Leicester, I feel like in the latter two, you know, since Palace, I think Brighton was a bit of a gimme the first game, but since, you know, in the the three games that have followed, do you feel like it's Gerrard's personality that's standing out as well as kind of the tactical knowledge brought by himself, Michael Beale and the stuff? Yeah, I think exactly that. What what impressed me when Gerard first came in, and, you know, and everything that we've heard from Gerard in the past too, he, he always references to Michael Beale and says he's one of the best coaches that um, I could work with. And he was never afraid to admit that he's not the perfect, you know, manager, should we say, that you know, the kind of full package yet um Gerard, which I think was refreshing because it was it was honest. Um and he knows where his strengths are, but he knows also where his weaknesses might be. And I think um Michael Beale said as well, he's the he's the kind of coach who wants to be in and amongst the group. Um whereas Gerard was the kind of person who wants to step away from the group and look at it from a whole perspective. I think that's really important because you've got someone there that the players can turn to for a motivation and you know obviously that's only um scratching the surface on what Gerard brings to it. But um and then Michael Bill's a tactical side, and obviously you've got McAllister and uh, Kershaw. You know, um, there's different elements to that coaching staff too. But no, I, I think the personality really stands out, and especially when you need that instant impact, that instant sort of effect. Um, and we can't forget there was four really tricky games as well: Brighton, Palace, Man City, and uh, Leicester. You know, two teams that we've almost stopped in Palace and Brighton because they started really well. Man City being, you know, probably the Champions League finalists this season. And obviously Leicester too have been knocking on the door in the Champions League for the last, you know, however long. Um, so really encouraging. And I think exactly that. I think the personality that he brings to it is, um, yeah, really good, for, especially for the players because we have quite a young squad as well. And to have it's not just a good motivator or a good, you know, effective um, speaker or leader. It's Steven Gerrard and that's someone that the whole um, group, the whole squad will look up to. Um, and whatever demands he sets on the teams, you know, on the team, sorry, you know, you'd be... Um, 
you want to carry that out, don't you? Because you know you're going to get it in your neck um, at half time. And I think that's exactly what probably what's happened, to be fair. Because I think passes, you know, we started games quite slow this season. Um, then we come into them. Um, so that's probably a good barometer of the sort of success that he's getting out of his players by the words that he's using, um, by the tactics he's using. Uh, motivationally too. I'm interested in what bringing this back round to kind of the Leicester game and the, the recent fixtures, but more so Leicester. I'm interested to know what you think of the performance of a uh, Matty Cashpat. He's obviously nominated for the Fans Football of the Year award, so he's one of Villa's nominees for that that Club Player of the Year award. What do you think? How how well he did again? There was some criticism. There was a lot of positivity. He seems to be a player very people are excited about, but one that still has you know, an edge about, I think it refers to his crossing maybe. Mm. Um, and the lack of impact from that, I think he seems to absolutely just yeah. smack it. It's to have a bit of love for the football, um, yeah. I think is, is the general gist. But what have you made of him, especially last game? In the open moments, that first game, like I said Harvey Barnes having a bit of joy down that mm. uh, left wing, wasn't he? And Mike Cash, there was a few times he might dived in a bit and you were going, Oh, thank God he's got a touch on the ball there. And I think there was one where he might have clipped the ankles of, I can't remember which player it was, and they didn't go down or they went down, it just wasn't given. But other than that, I feel like he really dug in in the performance. Like maybe it was a ropey first half, but other than that, I think he recorded 10 successful tackles, which is more than any other Premier League player in a game this season, which is just amazing. Like I think players like average three. And then uh, what else did he get here? It was three clearances, one off the line, one block shot, five interceptions, nine duels won out of the uh, 11. So it's just a monster game defensively for him. But yeah, as you said, the, the one improvement I'd probably get, uh, mate, for him is a bit of composure when he's running onto those balls. Like he, he takes it on the run, he's running at pace, and he probably just gets a bit overexcited, to be honest, and just absolutely leathers it past everyone. If he can just, you know, take the time to look up, maybe try and pick Watkins out or just put in an area across the face of goal or something, then that's probably the last piece to his game because he's got the ability driving forward. He's got the ability defensively, the positioning. He can defend uh, crosses, all that. It's just it's just that production in the final third, which we have seen at times, to be honest, when he was playing that wing-back role. Obviously, he got his goal, got an assist in the Carabao Cup, so he can cross the ball. It was a perfect cross for Cameron Archer, I'm pretty sure. I was just behind it flowed it in beautifully but yeah so the potential's there it's just consistency for him I think especially with how important these fullbacks seem to to Gerard's system um, another mm. part of Gerard's system actually John is it looks like there's been a lack of uh, the out and out wingers that we saw under Dean Smith um, and it's, you know in the, in the first stages of Gerard's reign it looks like they went for almost two number 10s in a, in Wendy and Ramsey speaks to me a bit about that because it looks you know even this change in the Man City game as well it looks like at, just after half time there was a change to kind of be a bit more narrow and be a bit more compact what have you noticed about mm-hmm. that yeah I think it's something that obviously brought from Rangers um, the wingers give the width sorry the wing backs give the width or the full backs um, and then your wide attackers are almost inside forwards, which I think works really well, to be fair, especially for someone like a Buendia. Um In the pre-match press conference, Gerard um, picked Buendia out as a good example to kind of use to explain that role and just said it's not necessarily about them being the narrow forwards, it's about them linking the play and kind of being given that um, the comfort to sort of not necessarily do what they want, but when they've got the ball, be expressive, be um, be the talent that you can be really on the ball. And that's exactly what you need from someone like a Buendia. And he's, I think he particular has come into, come into his own in the last uh, few weeks. Um, I think after each game, you, you sort of say to yourself, well, that's probably the best that Buendia's played, um, which speaks volumes about how he's adapting to um, Gerard's system. Uh, but no, it's, it's certainly a positive thing, I think, because you know, 
you'd have thought maybe after Danny Ings when he comes back from injury or when he's fully fit um, would probably come back into the, into the team at some point and then you've got Nolik Watkins left side who's like an inside forward again so in my head it all works really well um, and before Gerard took over you could probably say on paper this this should work but um, you know the sort of proofs in the pudding and it's um, it's coming off at the moment and he wants that dynamic you know that flexible front three um, and that the formation that we're playing certainly lends itself to that um, and then you've got the midfielders behind it as well, Lincoln too. So no, I, I think it's really encouraging. And the Leicester game for me was probably um, the best that we've done that system, if that makes sense, going forward. Because you've got um, even like a Douglas Louise linking with um, the left-sided players. And then on the right side, you've got a McGinn. And, you know, yeah, it, it, it all worked really well against Leicester. I think that's definitely the best that we've done. Um, you know, the combinations that Gerard wants to see um, every week. There's a lot of players I want to speak about that have been kind of floating through my mind. I think you could, you know, Konza, McGinn, Ashley Younger, Martinez, what, what a brilliant save. He uh, he pulled off out of nowhere in a, in a really kind of dicey moment for Villa. But I wanted to go into one of those advanced midfielders, John, uh, Jacob Ramsey. Poor, poor Jacob Ramsey. Sco- scored a wonder goal in a dead game and got his uh, first goal at Villa Park. Unfairly, I'll say, unfairly stricken off. What have you made of his right? Because he has come a long way since the player he was kind of featuring in bits and starts that season. Yeah. He he looks, you know, I say uh, it's a cliche, but first name on the team sheet, he's he's, he's up there. He, he does a role. He, he serves Villa really, really well. What have you made of his ascent? I think if you give it one word, it's just matured, perhaps. Um, yeah. Not that sounds a bit negative, really. He wasn't mature last season, and he clearly was. But I think when you, when you look at last season, he's playing away against Wolves, away against Leeds, um, and we're winning the game 1-0 and you've got a, a back then he would have been 19 year old um, in the middle of the park you you can't look at that and say oh he's not impacting the game or he's not doing this and that he's clearly doing um, a really good job and to then bring that on to this season I think it was I always look back at that Newcastle game at the start of the season because that's the first time he's really played in front of that sort of 42,000 mm-hmm. full out um, fully packed Villa Park and in the first couple of you know, the first half maybe or the first couple of minutes of the game, was boun- the ball was bouncing off him a little bit and he was struggling to get into it. And again, that's not a criticism. He just needed that that adjustment, little little adjustment period to get into it. And that's, you know, obviously testament to Dean Smith that gave him that, um, uh, you know, the opportunity to do that since he came through the door, really. Um, so no, Jacob Ramsey's come on leaps and bounds, but I don't think that's, don't think it's necessarily a shock to anyone, but just seeing it, you know, live in person that is not, not necessarily controlling games, um, but there's certainly a potential for him to do that, and is you know absolutely part of Gerard's plans. And I'm sure going forward, he would say say James will be one of the first team uh, names on that team sheet, um, and rightly so because what he does for the team is really important as well. He's not just being played because he's a young player, and then people want to see a young player come through the ranks. Gerard will be ruthless with his team and say we need this player for this game, and that suits Jacob Ramsey at the moment because he's thriving off that pressure to keep the shirt. Um, and I can only see him improving in the Gerrard as well because, you know, you look at the whole midfield, what midfielder doesn't want to play under Steven Gerrard? So, no, really, um, really encouraging for Ramsey and I'm sure he's really excited about, you know, the future with the club now, for sure. One one interesting thing to note is that in the last two games, that incred- academy graduate playing in that advanced role has almost come into the same position and uh, spanned the chance. So, <laughs> so it, you know, it, at some point he's going to go in and uh, hopefully it's not like, you know, uh, you know one of the substitutes that puts in, hopefully it's that, uh, that those homegrown heroes. I say homegrown heroes, we, we took uh, Chuck Wemaker from uh, Northampton, but uh, hopefully it's uh, one of those young academy grads who can pull it in and uh, get their moment in the headlights because it's been a long time coming. Um, Pat, I wanted to go on to another person. He's playing in midfield. No academy graduate, but someone who has bounced back this year. It's a wonderful, marvellous Nakamba. <laughs> Almost went marvellous, marvellous Nakamba. Marvelous, marvelous. Can't be doing that. Um, but 
no, barely any starts last season. Really positive first year in the Premier League. Wasn't in the team last season much. This year, he's almost kind of, I think he's almost progressed past the amount of starts. He's having always closing in on it. So he's also made a pretty, pretty good impact. And it looks like this shape, the mm. coaching, the, the how he's been drilled to play a bit more simpler game. It's working out and he's actually, it seems like he's doing a bit more than, than he's been asked to. Now it seems like he's getting really, really comfortable in his role. Tell me a bit about Marvellous. Well, he has been Marvellous, hasn't he? I think <laughs> uh, I think the only problem we've all, we have ever had with Marvellous Camber is we all feel a bit on edge when he was on the ball. Like, he wasn't that comfortable. He couldn't really pass the ball with his right foot. He might, If he was closed down or, or under pressure, he was probably quite susceptible for an error. I think it was the Tottenham game towards the end of the last season. He gave it to Bergwijn after he was pressed. We went one 0 down after a wonder goal straight after that. So that's always been the issue in the Canberra. I think I think no one can ever question his his defensive capabilities in the team. He's, he's the anchor. He, he can break a play perfectly. But since Gerard's come in, I think okay. So the stats for the Leicester game: ninety-two point nine percent pass accuracy with one key pass, one long ball completed, which is one hundred percent, one hundred percent dribbling success rate, and won about eight duels. He's doing everything and more that Gerard can ask of him. And I think, I don't know if I'm speaking for the rest of the fan base, but personally, when, when I see him on the ball now, I'm completely confident that he's going to just either use it effectively or get out of a situation he's in. And I'm never quite, I'm not as stressed when he's on the ball, to be honest. But me and my cousin were talking about, we are watching, we're like, what has actually happened <laughs> to Nakamba here? Because it's, it's quite, it's outstanding. He's playing so well under Gerard. It's ridiculous, like breaking up play, dribbling into space, he's composed on the ball. He's get he's also progressing the ball a bit more than he usually did. So yeah, it's great to see to be honest. He's he's, he's man banging form and long may it continue. You know, no no disrespect to the camber, but I feel like under Gerard and Bill, it looks like his game has been planned out a bit more rather yeah. than relying mainly on the instinct that got players like, you know, your Grealish and uh, your Douglas Lewis and the John McGinn's through. It looks like he has been taken aside and drilled on a certain few passes mm. to make. And he's, ap- you know, he's absolutely excelling. Uh, Ian Leach, you said you didn't speak on behalf of the fan base. Ian Leach, whose comment was brought up a few moments ago, said Nakamba has been outstanding. So, you know, he was, I think he was, he wasn't up for the player of the match and people kicked off about that. He was yeah. the Villa's, Villa's player of the month, though, which I think, you know, it speaks credit to him because he's someone you know, Villa probably do need a central midfielder, mm. but do the concerns about that strength, that metal in the middle, I feel has been met in a few key games, and you, you don't know because it's only a small sample size, John. But Nakamba really kicking on well. In general, it's we know that's a really important component of the Gerrard team um, at Rangers. He had that sitting player that would allow the two midfielders either side of them to go on, the wing backs go on. So you need that protection. Um, but it's not just protection when we're going forward. It's protection when we are defending as well. And the Canberra's, you know, as you say, excelled. He, he hasn't really put a foot wrong yet, which, you know, we're not trying to jinx him, but you need to give the guy credit when he deserves it. And yeah. he's been here for a few years now. And um, I think, again, I think it passes at the start. Sometimes you're giving the ball and you'd be a bit, um, you'd be a bit flustered or he'd give it away a bit sloppily. Um, but, you know, he hasn't done that yet. So we need to, um, we can't be sort of almost anticipating an error, should we say. The guy's earning the shirt and he's he's not going to lose it, even if we sign a, you know, a twenty twenty million pound midfielder um, to cover that position as well to add competition. The Campbell's not losing that shirt, and that might be, you know, the best thing for him as well. If if, if we would sign another midfielder, which I presume that we will do, because we are quite lightly stocked in that area is a is a number six of the, the sort of player that the Camber is. Um, it might be something that pushes pushes him on again. Um, but no, really, really good start from the camera, especially in the Gerard. Um, he showed glimpses under Smith for the last few years, but once he's now been given a really, you know, extended run in the team, um, 
so to be a player of the month in a team that has won three out of four games, um, that's you know got the likes of a John McGinn playing out of his skin, Ollie Watkins, you know, he's not the only player that's playing well, but to be the player that shines in that system, um, you know, full credit to him. Yeah, he's played against your, you know, your Ndidi, your Rodri, uh. Mm-hmm. I don't think he played Kiate, Basuma playing for Brighton. So all those, yeah. all those strong kind of prototype defensive midfielders that you look at, those central midfielders, Nikamba has stood alongside them very, very well. And in a game, this is the final word on Leicester, in a game where Watkins had impact, Ramsey had impact, Ezra Consacore twice, Buendia rose up. You know there was plenty of plenty on show there from from Villa's players. Even you know you you, you Matty Cashes, your Martinez saving, uh, Mashling. Everyone was involved to some extent or had some impact for your defensive midfielder to be voted the man of the match to have the plaudits speaks incredibly well for him and he'll have an important role as we return to while well, Stevie G returns to uh, his uh, proving grounds in Anfield. Uh, big return, lots been made of it. Uh, Gerard is very, very calm and collected, uh, but it looks like another big game for Nakamba. It looks like a game where Villa will be the underdogs. It looks like a game where win, drizzle, or win, lose, or draw. We can, we should be impressed with, with what Villa can pull up based on that City game. This is another acid test, you know, a free hit for Aston Villa to to show what they're all about away from home as well. Wolves showed on the weekend that you can frustrate Liverpool if you're with a solid defensive unit, I think. We're <clears throat> ready for the challenge. I think we're, we're going to go there compact, followed up for it, and be able to hit them on the counter. I think it's a different challenge to the Man City game. Obviously, I think Liverpool play a bit faster and don't have much as, as much possession as City might. And I think they, they're quite similar to us in, in the fact that they play quite fast when they do break with Salamane and Jota or Firmino and whatnot. But yeah, I've, I've full faith in the defence to remain solid. I think uh, it'll, Stevie G will be uh, fully prepared for it. And uh, yeah, I'm ready for it. Excited. Really looking forward to this uh, this Liverpool game because again, it's like the Man City game. Terrified before, left really, really happy with how Villa replied themselves. So hoping for that again because it's been a long time where you can go to a you know watch a Villa match. They get well beaten, but you're left proud with what your team is putting rather than being stunned at their lack of any um, impact on the game. Just a final word on uh, looking forward to Villa versus Liverpool, John. We know it's going to be a tricky game, um, but it's one that we can go into with full confidence. Um, you know, don't get me wrong, we could lose the game 2 or 3 nil, but you can still pull up a good performance like we did against Chelsea and the Smith, you know, a couple of uh, months ago now, wasn't it? Um, you know, there's ways of losing and I'm sure that we won't lose without trying. Um, and I think that's all we can do, really. We know that they're a top team. We'll go there and like as you say, like Brighton did, um, try and take the game to them, play our way. Gerard will want to try and impress uh, Knox and Liverpool just because of um, where he's the Villa manager now, isn't he? And he wants to keep up that. Um, that's the, the start that he's had. You know, I keep trying to say it's an unbeaten start, but obviously you, you lose to Man City, but it feels like we're, we're almost not necessarily unbeatable at the moment, but nothing is going to phase us, is what I'm trying to say. Um, and obviously Liverpool will have will be strong favourites for the game. Uh, they've got top, top players. We all know that. They'll, they could probably go top of the league if they beat us. Um, and they don't need any added motivation to try and get one over on Gerrard as well. But, you know, I say we'll be going there with full confidence. And yeah, um, we, we'll be in no better position to go to Anfield in the, in the you know, since since God knows when to try and get a result from from Liverpool so no uh, really looking forward to it 
Wicked. Well, there you have it. Villa can be beaten then, I guess, John, but they can't be broken like they have been more than a few times in the past. We'll leave it there. You know where to find us at Claren Blue. Get us on Spotify, get us on YouTube. I think we'll have another Football Manager stream on Thursday. We'll leave it there and we'll look forward to uh, bringing you coverage of Villa. hopefully performing really well against uh, Liverpool on the weekend in a big match uh, with a big narrative. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue and Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode, but until then, up the villa. Up the villa.